Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Hey everybody, it is Trags, Mike Petralia back with another episode after a well-earned, I think, uh, summer break. I am back with another episode of the Jungle Roar podcast and joining me on the other side as we speed into st- training camp next week down at uh, Paul Brown Stadium is the one and only Jeff Hobson Butchie. Welcome back. It's uh, great to have you. You do, as always, a great job, fabulous job for Bengals.com. Your uh, summer treat you well? Thanks. Thanks for having me on. Uh, thanks for having me on to kick off the uh, season. I, uh, you're used to this stuff. You're used to after covering the powerful Patriots for so long, you know what a short season is like. So Very. I'm going to look to you here early on in camp to uh, see where my legs are. Hydrate, hydrate, hydrate. I would tell that to the players, coaches, ball boys, um, quarterback coach, Dan Pitcher. I don't care who it is. <laughs> Um, the, the last, um, you know, trainer on the field and every single human being on that field, including reporters, cameramen, and whoever is out in that sun baking, uh, in the summer heat, hydrate, hydrate, hydrate. You'll be fine. Get plenty of sleep at night and you'll be amazed at how fast training camp rolls into the preseason. I would tell you that let's get to the business at hand. First of all, a lot of Bengal fans going into training camp actually are, I don't know if the word's concerned, certainly intrigued by how the Bengals approach Jesse Bates. We all know by now he did not sign a contract extension by the deadline of July 15th at 4 p.m. That came and went. Uh, and more to the point, he has not signed his franchise tag tender of $12.9 million. So that means he's not even obligated right now to attend training camp. So how do the Bengals go into this training camp knowing that at the start, at least Jesse Bates won't be there? You know, I think uh, what Zach Taylor has uh, staked this, uh, his program on is uh, getting the, uh, getting guys who are all about the business, all about uh, the nuts and bolts, what makes the thing go and, guys who are not distracted by outside uh, situations. And Jesse fits that bill. And certainly uh, the guys who play around them fit that bill too. They showed that in the, uh, how they responded down the stretch in the playoffs. Uh, These guys pretty focused, you know, and uh, given that it's pretty much the the same core of guys, I I just, I just see this being a kind of a, you know, they'll, they'll, They'll praise Jesse as they should. They'll just say it's the business, business. of football is business. And I think right. they'll go on about it. I mean, I think this is, uh, you know, the national media likes to p- portray this as a, as a young team. I, I don't, I mean, yes, it's young, but it's not, uh, uh, it's got plenty of veterans. Out it there. does. I just, I just pointed a guy who plays next to Jesse Bates and Vaughn Bell. Right. Uh, Von Bell, I think, is uh, 26 years old. I think he's played in like uh, eight playoff games or something. And that kind of mirrors the roster. Like, there's a lot of guys like that. Mike Hilton uh, obviously comes to yeah. mind. So exactly. I wrote. So I think this is. Yeah, I think this is a this is a business 
the business of America, this is going to be a Calvin Coolidge camp. The business of the Bengals is business. So for CLNS Media this week, looking ahead to Bengals training camp next week, I went over a checklist, if you will. And one of the points that I made in there about Jesse Bates was something that you just mentioned. That is, the Bengals have a ton of veterans in that secondary. Forget about around the roster. We're talking about the secondary because obviously that's where Jesse Bates calls home during the regular season. And you have Von Bell, you have Mike Hilton, you have Cheeto Awuzie, you also have Eli Apple, who, who comes across as a younger player, but he's been around five years, Butch. I mean, he's not a, you know, a, a rookie. He is not even a second or third year player. He's had a lot of experience there. And I think the Bengals have a lot of leaders and veterans with experience in that secondary who can bring along the three rookies who clearly the Bengals spent the draft capital on the secondary in the draft high in the draft. We all know, about uh, Dax Hill, who we figure is going to get some primary looks, did during OTAs and spring practice. Obviously, there's Cam Taylor-Britt, who I think projects more as a corner, a strict corner. And, And of course, Tyson Anderson is somebody who intrigues me. Great speed. He projects as a strong safety. But who knows what Lou uh, Lou Anarumo could do with him in that secondary. It's going to be interesting to see, given the given, and it's going to depend on Jesse's situation, how much we see him probably. But how many safeties do they keep? And right. the fact that they, and the, and then the fact that they did draft so you know with versatility in mind, you know, you might be able to still keep the same number of safeties and corners and use some of those guys as swing guys. You know, uh, I I don't think you can use. Anderson like that. I, I I think you have to take the rookies out of that mix a little bit because uh, not Dax Hill though, Dax right? Hill, no, no, not Dax Hill. But I think Britt and Anderson do kind of project the guys that could play different spots, but not right now. Right. Hill, I think, does. Uh, another guy to you know, another. I, I I think to me an intriguing. You know, you always love those roster. You always love those rookie veteran roster battles. You know, and I think Tyson Anderson and Michael Thomas. Yep. Uh, is, 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 a, is a great one to look at. And maybe they end up keeping both if they, you know, if, if it's uh, if it's early on and Jesse, you know, depending on how much Jesse comes in. But I do think the fact that they drafted with versatility in mind, I do think uh, Dax Hill, you know, can give them a bunch of uh, he's he's, he's going to get a lot of looks in a lot of different places, I think. So correct me if I'm wrong, Butch, but I the way I look at this is. Lou Anarumo is going to use bodies in the secondary to compensate for the incredible, at least at first. And and who knows by the time the first preseason game comes around or the third preseason game comes around heading into the uh, regular season, Jesse Bates might sign his franchise tender and actually be ready for the regular season. We don't know that yet, but assuming he is not Lou's got to be ready for that possibility. And my thinking is he could move body move bodies around more and make it more of an amoeba secondary if you know what i mean and just trust on guys to be in the right place at the right time and the other one other person that i forgot to mention trey flowers he really impressed me last year and and i think everybody knows how well he did 
on guys like George Kittle and, and some other tight ends uh, coming out. Mark Andrews with the Ravens. He really did a good job when he was you know, assigned to try and, and cover specifically a tight end. So let's not forget Trey Flowers. That's another guy that he can put up. He could be a safety or a corner. You know, he can he can swing. He's a swing guy. Uh, but I think the thing with Lou, and I think the thing that's made uh, uh, what he he's made it work on his defense overall, particularly in the secondary, is he's it's it's almost like he's playing with uh, uh, he it's plug and play. You know, he's got a system, and you're going to plug in. So while while you know, obviously. Bates is the key guy. He's the key guy to plug in. He'll have a guy that maybe he maybe he plugs, maybe he replaces Bates with two guys or something like that. Or, but I don't think it's going to be. I don't. I don't think Lou is going to be. Uh, you know, he's going to throw out the. I, I just don't see him ripping up the blackboard. You know, to respond to the situation because, like you say, at some point Jesse's coming back, and B, you just can't rip up stuff and go from you know, thing to thing. And I think that's what, that's what Lou's made this thing work over the, over the course of his four years here is plug and play. Make, don't, you know, uh, do what the player can do and don't, don't make him, you know, do what the player, do what he has, do what the player does and not the other way around. Play to his strengths. And call to his strengths. strengths. Right, right. And try to jam the guy into a scheme. So I think there, you know, I just think he, uh, He's going to keep doing the same thing. I mean, you know, and that's what they'll be saying. They'll, you know, Lou will go in with blinders on, you know, whether he's got, you know, his whole thing is getting his defense ready, whether he has Bates or not. And so he'll do with what he has. One other point on Jesse Bates, and then we'll move on. There's what Jesse Bates does schematically. The other part that is significant about Jesse Bates and every teammate in that locker room, especially in the secondary, will tell you this. He calls the plays. He's the quarterback of the secondary. In some ways, he's the quarterback of the defense, and he gets guys in the right position. Who's going to take over that responsibility primarily? That's what I'm curious to see. Who do you think on the roster right now, when Bates isn't in camp or on the field, who would do that? Well, I, I, the first guy that comes to mind is Bell, Vaughn Bell. Right. Um, and I think he's uh, he's done it before. He's done it here, I think, in certain stretches. Uh, you know, uh, Logan Wilson is the guy with the helmet. Uh, Green dot. And, Jesse, and Jesse's the guy in the secondary relaying what Logan is calling. But I think Bell can obviously step in there and do that. And I think, uh, you know, and I don't think Dax Hill, I don't, I, you know, it's a lot to put on Dax's plate. But I think he showed uh, the, the reason that they had him highly rated and the reason they drafted him and not, not somebody else was because of the intangibles, because he was a, he's a very he's a smart player. You now I don't know how much do you, how much do you give a rookie. That's a lot to put on a rookie's shoulders. No, but he can do it. But I think he is a guy who is he's going to eventually be that guy. So you know, hey, it's it's you know life's tough after little league, you know. And if you got to put that, and if you put that on his plate, you know, you got to put on his. But but that's why I think that it's one of the reasons that they drafted why they have such high grades on Hill is that he can he can come in and do that stuff as a young player, of course, you don't want him to be, you know, you don't want to force feed him and all of that. But I mean, um, I, you know, I, you know, and I'm not sure how much the corners get involved in all that too. I think that's basically a safety. I think that's, I think, I think um, uh, traditionally that's been a, that's been the safeties, you know, one of the, you know, the safety runs the, runs the show back there. So I think, 
I think Bell can do it. And, uh, but I, like I say, I don't think, uh, they're not ripping this thing up because I think they, you know, I think they feel like Jesse's going to be back. And when he comes back, he's going to be good. You think he'll be back by the regular season and pure guess. Yeah. It would be a pure guess. I, 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 I don't know what he's thinking. I don't think he's told anybody what he's thinking, but like I say, you know, they've, uh, Bengals, this 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 defense has has been pretty good at overcoming some things. You know, down last year, you know, they had some injuries they had to overcome, and uh, you know, they were playing some. Uh, you know, they overcame the the you know the injury to Ogan Joby and and stuff like that. So, I mean, I don't. I just think I don't. Uh, these guys have been around long enough mm-hmm. that, and I think they have you know so much respect for Jesse. That I just don't see it being a, you know, I know it's going to be a storyline, but I'm not sure it's going to be that much of a, a, a you know, I don't, I don't think by the end of the day, I'm not sure it's going to have that much of an impact. He is Jeff Hobson, does a phenomenal job covering the Cincinnati Bengals and has for multiple decades here in Cincinnati for Bengals.com. Uh, Want to move on. Um, we've address Jesse. And I think uh, we, we, we know where that stands, at least at the beginning of training camp. I want to move on to some other storylines you're going to be looking out for, and, and we're both going to be watching one, one of which once the pads begin, which is usually the second week of training camp, uh, the offensive line and the health of Alex Kappa, uh, any indication on your end or, you know, sense on your end that Alex Kappa won't be full speed ahead when he, when, when he, uh, when training camp starts. You know, my sense is I think uh, I think the way Zach left it was they were pretty confident he was going to be back for you know camp, and I I, I haven't heard anything uh, to the uh, you know to the contrary on that one. But uh, you know I you know I, I'm not going to be surprised if there's a long list of pup guys too. And uh, you know I don't think you know fan you know and that's and that's a time when people start to panic. But that's okay. That it just is. means that they just got to they just got to pass. A physical and they'll and they'll be back out there. So if 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 Cap is on the pup, I don't think he'd be on there for That's, long. If Logan, you know, if Logan Wilson is on the pup, I, I don't think he's going to be on there for long. But you know, I think there will be a list probably, and he he may or may not be on it. But I, uh, the whole thing is getting ready for Pittsburgh, right? Trags, yes. uh, September eleventh, right? I got to tell you, I'm going to jump in here, Butch. One of the things we, we joked at the, at the beginning about my time in New England, one of the things I did learn in New England, especially after the multiple, multiple Super Bowl runs and the shortened off season and then training camp starts, Bill Belichick would have no problem putting a guy on PUP for a week, 10 days, some cases, two weeks, not too often. But the, the message was. We don't need to rush you into camp to get ready. We need to make sure you're ready full speed when you're full speed. And I think that is, Butch, that is a great point you make about the PUP and different players on it. Um, You know, Logan Wilson, somebody like that, or like Alex Kappa. Uh, Somebody else that I think is going to draw a lot of attention at the beginning of camp, depending on his availability, is Joseph Asai. How much focus do you think an expectation is there for Joseph Asai heading into this training camp? Well, you know, we we only saw him for that one great night in Tampa. You know what? What is on his on his uh, first? I think on on the second snap of his career, he was uh, hitting or sacking Tom Brady. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I mean, you know, and he was had that phenomenal line. He had the phenomenal line, uh, a stat line. 
before he got hurt. Uh, I think it was late in the third quarter. You know, I mean, PFF graded him. I think what he was the bit most uh, highest graded rookie. It's going up against player, Tristan Worse. Worse. I mean, he was. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I think there's going to be a lot of attention on him. I, I you know, where is he health wise? Don't know. Don't have any idea. But I think that uh, you know, here's a you know, he's one of these guys. He's a bonus pick, right? He's a supplemental third round pick. You know, he didn't play last year, so. I mean, and he certainly, you know, uh, I mean, uh, he, you know, in that first game, he showed why they drafted, you know, just a, he's got a really explosive first step uh, as an athletic guy. He's a relentless guy. Um, so, but, you know, uh, can you imagine fitting him in there with, you know, with, uh, you know, a guy, a guy like Kareem and Sample and really, uh, you know, giving them some more legs on the edge. Yeah, I think he'll be, a, he's obviously a big storyline. Huge storyline, and I think the Bengals know that they've got two great edges in Sam Hubbard and Trey Hendrickson, and Hendrickson is one of, in in my estimation, one of the top five edges, pure edges uh, in the National Football League. Great sign by Duke Tobin and and the management to to bring him in when they did, Um, but they need depth behind them, and they need a consistent pass rush, especially in this day and age on the edge. Yeah, they've been dinged up there. You know, Kareem's got a couple of shoulders. Uh, you know, uh, uh, um, uh, you know. I mean, Osai, he had the he had the knee and the wrist. Um, and uh, Hubert, uh, they never saw. I mean, Wyatt Hubert's another guy. Yep. Never saw play the seventh round pick last year. Was hurt in the spring, and he and he and he never played. And uh, so, you know, they need some. Uh, obviously, I think there's some. You know, they're gonna. The big thing will be with their depth wise there is their health. I mean, how, how, how healthy are these guys coming back and they'll get a grip on that in, in camp, I think. But, you know, the, the thinking is that Osai and Hubert are going to be back to where they were, you know, as rookies and Kareem, you know, you can arguably say that Kareem saved the season that day in, uh, that day in Denver. Denver. Uh, oh, no question. The fumble. He, when he hit the strip. Yeah. When he, when, when he took the ball away, took the ball away from Drew Locke, right? Well, Locke was in the game at that point. So, um, you know, I, I, you know, some question marks there, but I think, you know, as they hit into this thing, they're confident that, uh, you know, those guys are going to be uh, playing more than they did, you know, last year at this time. Uh, T. Higgins is somebody else who could be on the PUP, could yeah. be ready to go. Um, what are your thoughts on T. Higgins and depth at wide receiver behind the big three? Yeah, I mean, it's, 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 they're kind of, in a, they're kind of in a tough spot there because, uh, you really can't add anybody because they're going to have to pay Chase and Higgins at some point. Uh, you know, if they don't get hurt there, they're good. They're fine. They're great. They're one of the, it's maybe arguably the best trio in the league. But, uh, you know, if, if one of those guys gets hurt for any length of time, you know, uh, is that guy, is that number four guy on a roster? I'm not, I'm not sure he is, you know, uh, they like Michael Thomas his reliability and his knowledge of the offense. And, uh, you know, uh, I think uh, Stanley Morgan, Stanley Morgan is more of a special teams guy, but he's reliable. Again, if a guy gets hurt for two games, is Morgan your guy or do they need a, do they need a number four? Do they get a guy off waivers? Do they make it, do they make a BJ Hill like trade? I mean, that's where I kind of see the two spots where I see that maybe making a, a trade or a waiver claim, I think backup defensive tackle and backup wide receiver. To me, those would be the two 
spots where they uh, where they need some numbers. What do you know about Kwame Lasseter, uh, the second out of Kansas? Uh, Darren Simmons, obviously, same alma mater, loves him. But what do you know about him? I mean, a few. I mean, he's uh, uh, he's got good speed. He's probably of those rookies. You know, of those rookie receivers, uh, the undrafted rookie guys. He probably turned the most heads in the spring. You know, good speed. Um, but I, you know, I, I, you know, again, is, is he boom? Do you put, I mean, is he, is he going to be able to help you, you know, right away? I mean, I think that's something we're not, we're going to find, that's something we're going to find out. But I think Lasseter is a guy that only helped himself in the spring, you know, I mean, can he, uh, can Puka, can Puka Williams, you know, uh, make Kansas the jump, kid. <laughs> you know, you know, Kansas, can he make the jump? He's, he's shown flashes. Uh, he's shown flashes as a punt returner, but he has, hasn't shown much from scrimmage, you know? So, uh, you know, I think Lasseter probably has, a, even though Puka's been here a year, uh, you know, I think Lasseter kind of kind of served notice, you know? And, uh, and, and, and I think, too, they have, uh, you know, I think they like the guy from Coastal Carolina. I'm going to have a hell of a time trying to say his name. Javon Haile? Javon Haile, or Haile. Haile, yeah. You know, yeah, they, you know, they kind of, they're waiting to see what he does too in the uh, physical guy, had a great college career, a real physical, good sized player. So, you know, I think these are the guys we're talking about. But again, if we're talking about, you know, you got to replace one of those guys, one of the three guys for two games. I'm not, you know, we, that guy's probably not here yet right now. He will be, I think, I think, I think the guy will be here. I will say this though, Butch, with the addition of Hayden Hurst and with the addition uh, and with Joe Mixon and what they have at the running back position, I think they have enough to compensate if one of the three go down. If two of the yeah. three go down, then then that's a different story. That's how I, I feel about that. I mean, I think Mixon's about to blast off because that's what I wrote. Uh, I absolutely yeah, agree with because- that. Because can you imagine all the junk defenses are going to see? Yes. You know, they're petrified of the deep ball now. So defenses are backpedaling. Uh, you know, talk about a light box. It's going to be a, it, it, it's going to be an extra light box. Uh, so, you know, I think Mixon is, uh, I think people are going to dare Mixon to beat him. And, uh, and I, and I, you know, he certainly can. I mean, the guy went to the Pro Bowl. I mean, the guy, the guy to me is the most underrated guy in the AFC North. Nobody talks about him enough. And uh, so I think, yes, if they, uh, you know, I think if they have, if, if, if they have problems over there, if, if somebody gets dinged for a game or two, you know, uh, clearly they're versatile enough with a guy like Mixon that, uh, you know, they don't miss much of a beat. All right. Training camp begins next week, uh, gets underway on Wednesday. That would be looking at my calendar, July 27th. The players, the veterans actually report the day before 26, just to make sure they're <coughs> meeting all physicals and all that. That's right. Butch on, on the 26th, there's physicals and whatnot. And they get on the field on the 27th right. and then they go through uh, four days, uh, essentially walkthroughs because there's no pads in those four first four days. And then they have a day off on Sunday. And then usually either the Monday or the Tuesday, you get your first full padded practice in the first week of August. And then 
we're looking at the first preseason game. I think that's on uh, August 12th, and I know it's against the Arizona Cardinals. So they'll be here before you know it. That's the here and now. Okay. In the past, uh, the Bengals had a chance, uh, and I think this is going to turn into a great tradition, to add to their uh, ring of honor. And they made that announcement earlier in the week, adding uh, thanks to the vote of the season ticket holders, two iconic members of the franchise, Big Willie, Willie Anderson, arguably the best right tackle of his era. And I don't think that's hyperbole. I think he was one of the single most dominant right tackles in NFL history, certainly in the modern game and certainly in the run game, the modern game of the NFL. And my favorite Bengal growing up when I was a kid in Cincinnati, the Iceman. Isaac Curtis, number 85. Uh, you had great features on both of them, Butch, on Bengals.com. Um, I want to start with uh, Big Willie because, you know, I had a chance to ask Big Willie about another 71. This year's 71, Lael Collins, speaking of opening holes against light boxes for Joe Mixon. Uh, Lael Collins is going to be a big part of that. And I want to get your, uh, you know, perspective on what Big Willie was back in the day when he was pancaking everybody left and right. Yeah, he was, uh, um, I mean, this guy, you know, he, he, uh, how many, how many teams pulled tackles in the run game? You know, they could pull Willie, you know? And uh, I mean, he had, and you're absolutely right. I mean, what Willie meant to the team, I mean, you know, you could, do you have a, do you have two hours? I mean, because, I'm just going to focus what he did in the field, but I mean, off the field, the guy was a team leader. That team stuck together. He brought them through, Tough you know, times. three and thirteen, yes. three and thirteen, four and twelve, and he was and he was there when they went to the, uh, you know, he was Marvin's guy in the locker room when they uh, when they. Uh, so that so that's just one part of him that would take an hour to go on about. But just as him as a player, I mean, think about it, Trags. Uh, uh, they didn't have a quarterback when he came in. I mean, he had the, he had Boomer Esiason for about five games, you know, in 1997. Yeah, and when, yes, Willie did block his blind side. Boomer being left-handed, Willie playing right tackle, did pretty well. Yeah. Did pretty well. But, uh, you know, he they they were always at the top of the, uh, uh, near the Russian uh, leaders. Of course, they had the great back in Dillon, but they had, but they, basically went through eight, nine, 10 quarterbacks. It was a different guy every, uh, every month. It seemed like a different guy. And yet they ran the ball just because of Willie's sheer, sheer strength and his mentality, his toughness. I mean, to me, the, the Corey Dillon game when he went for 278 and took down Walt Payton's record, that's the, that's the quintessential Willie game. They completed two passes. They, 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 they completed two passes the entire day. Uh, Achilles Smith, who started a quarterback, got replaced by Scott Mitchell. Um, they st- they only ran that it twenty two times. Remarkable fact. And they only ran it twenty two times. And 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 most of the time they ran it behind Willie against the Denver defense that was ranked second against the run. Mind boggling. I mean, that whole two thousand season, Corey Dolan rushed for four point six yards per carry, and the starting quarterback averaged four point seven yards per attempt. So to me, that was Willie was at the height of his powers. But then you get into his pass, get get into his pass protection. And um, you know, Willie's big thing was, you know, he, he and he and he was saying this when he was playing. He would go on about how the media 
would talk about the left tackle, the blind side phenomenon, you know, with the movie and everything, and how oh, right. hey, if you looked up the 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 there were just as good pass rushers on you know over the right tackle as they were over the left tackle. That evolved because they wanted to get the good pass rushers away from the good pass protectors. And so, and then it evolved that, you know, there were athletes all across the line and Willie had some great days against, you know, uh, name your, name your, name your left end, you know, was it Kevin Green? Was it Strahan? Was it, was it Julius Peppers? I mean, uh, Willie Stone, you know, I mean, so. One thing uh, that big Willie brought up, Butch, uh, on Tuesday was the fact that, he was so proud that he did not allow a single sack for three years running. Do you remember this? In the, and I don't know if that was his fourth, fifth, and sixth seasons in the NFL. I forget which stretch it was. But for three seasons, he did not allow a single sack. And right. I mean, he, yeah. it, it, to me, that is unheard of. I mean, just simply because of the, um, you know, the focus, as you just mentioned, that there was on getting to the quarterback because the passing game was starting to explode uh, in the prime of his career. And there was, you know, yes, the Bengals wanted to run the ball when you have a running back like Corey Dillon. But, you know, when there were times that you did have to pass, you could rely on Willie at the, on the right side to hold up his end of the bargain. I mean, if you look at those, you know, later in his career, uh, look at the passing game numbers. You know, Carson set team records. Yes. Chad, Chad and TJ set set team records. Uh, Rudy, you know, Rudy set team records running the ball. He, you know, the baton was passed almost seamlessly from Dylan to Rudy Johnson because of that great run game that was chaired by, you know, was chaired by Willie. So, uh, I mean, to me, his, his just his, his overall versatility drags in, you know, is going against great players too. I mean, uh, I've got a stat around there somewhere that, uh, you know, I think he faced the 11 out of the top 12 sackers of all time. And the only sack he allowed was to, was to the all time leader, Bruce Smith in like the last minute of a blowout of his rookie year. So, I mean, this guy, I mean, he, he faced these guys. I mean, you know, he faced the, uh, the best of the best and responded. So, you know, I think he, he's, uh, he, he was, and he was also just as, uh, you know, thank God for Twitter because he's so, he's such a, uh, he's a savant. The guy's an offensive line savant. He knows so much about offensive line play, Twitter, and he's been able to uh, carry that knowledge not only at his academy in uh, Atlanta, the Willie Anderson Offensive Line Academy, but he cannot, but he's also a presence on Twitter just talking about offensive line play, you know, and that's what, I think people don't realize he was, a, yes, he was a straight physical specimen, but he's a, he might've been the smart, he might've been the smartest lineman of his era. He probably was a smart. I mean, if you look at, if you talk to him for about two minutes, had to be, you know, the okay. smartest lineman of his era. We have to move on to Isaac Curtis real quick. We only have a couple of minutes left. Um, as I said at the beginning, my favorite Bengal of all time because of the class and elegance he and grace he carried himself with on the field. He did that again when he was speaking on Tuesday about his honor, uh, joining the other five on the Ring of Honor um, on uh, September 29th. It'll be at halftime like it was last year of the Thursday night game, this time against Miami. Your thoughts on the Iceman and, and um, uh, his recollections of what was an incredible career on to, when he um, – took us down memory lane. 
I dare say, Trags, he is the, uh, and you would know this better than I, but I dare say he's not only the most underrated Bengal of all time, he might be the most underrated NFL player of all time. Just what he meant. Uh, I mean, he's a guy right now, if he came out in the draft right now, he'd be the first or second pick in the draft. I mean, you're talking about a guy that can make the Olympic team and he, he could catch anything, you know. So prototypical modern wide receiver, unfortunately yep. broke in when, you know, they just didn't throw the ball that much. But when you're looking for a guy to play the position now, he's the guy that you're looking for. They're just that, that breathtaking speed and the ability to make catches. I mean, he changed the game. They changed the hell. They changed the rules because of him. So, uh, I, and I, I just think he's, you know, I talked to two guys yesterday, uh, 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 Charlie Joyner, who we broke in with. Yep. Uh, well, Charlie Joyner was traded here the year before Isaac came. Charlie Joyner went to the Hall of Fame uh, after Paul Brown uh, uh, traded him to the Chargers for Coy Bacon. Coy Bacon. Pretty, yep. pretty even deal because, you know, he could make that trade because he had Isaac. But Joyner, you know, was good enough that he went to the Hall of Fame after uh, after that trade. But his point was, to, uh, talking to him yesterday, was Isaac Curtis is is a Hall of Fame player. He doesn't have the stats. Now, Charlie played 18 years, and when he retired, he, he retired as the all-time leading receptions leader. So he said they had to put me in the Hall. He said, but, the, uh, but he said that's not how it should be judged. You know, if you go just by our natural talent, uh, Isaac would be in. What's and interesting? Said, but, oh, go ahead, Butch. Yeah, yeah, no, go ahead, Trax. Go ahead. So, go ahead. we all know what Mel Blunt said about Ken Riley. Ken Riley, there's 65 reasons he should be in the Hall of Fame. 65 right. interceptions. If you ask Mel Blunt, he, I think he would say the same thing about Isaac Curtis because I think, I mean, there were a lot of great receivers that Mel Blunt faced, of course, but the he would face the Bengals obviously twice a year, and nobody challenged the Steelers deep better um, than Isaac Curtis and Mel Blunt would tell you that the other thing I would tell you is nobody killed the Cleveland Browns better than Isaac Curtis. I think he had something like 21 touchdowns all time against Cleveland, some ridiculous number. And um, to me that always earned a warm spot in the heart of the old man who would obviously always love to beat Cleveland. And one yeah. reason I think Paul Brown always loved Isaac Curtis. I got to cut it off there, Butch. Uh, it was great having you on this uh, return to football. We're back to football uh, edition of the Jungle Roar podcast. Anything you're working on real quick? No, nah, just trying to uh, do some roster projections and uh, hunt down some guys before they get in here. And, uh, you know, we'll... Um... I, I think Trags will be uh, a week a week from today. We'll be pretty geared up uh, because uh, I think uh, it's going to be it's going to be the going to be interesting to see training camp. What I'm really looking forward to is seeing downtown Cincinnati with a team coming off a Super Bowl, an exciting team like that, and to see what kind of crowds they're going to draw downtown Cincinnati. I think it's going to be a, a I think it's going to be a mini festival every day. I think it's going to be wonderful. It's going to be something that has been a long time coming in Cincinnati, well-deserved for the city of Cincinnati, and and uh, I think well-deserved for the Brown family because uh, obviously they've worked hard uh, to put the kind of product together that we saw almost bring home Super Bowl 56. And next week begins the charge towards trying to get it done in Super Bowl 57. He is Jeff Butch Hobson. Follow all of his great work on 
bengals.com including two great feature pieces on the latest inductees into the ring of honor that would be big willie anderson and isaac curtis for jeff hobson i'm mike petralia trags thanks for watching